Hello friends, it's Jim Nance and it's my great pleasure to welcome you to Beyond the Clubhouse, a podcast hosted by my friend Garrett Johnston. He is a testament to one of the great things about this sport, the friendships that come from playing or even just talking about the game. And you're going to meet some of the characters that Garrett has gotten to know from this past decade plus that he's been covering the sport. You're going to hear from players, caddies, members of the media. You're going to get the storytelling, the golf news, the players' swing tips, and a whole lot of laughs. It's coming your way with this edition of Beyond the Clubhouse. Here's Garrett. All right, Jim Nance, here we go. Episode two of this year, 2021, and it's Century Tournament and Champion Week. This is one of my favorite events to watch on TV. You guys know you love the scenes from Hawaii. We're all here in the snow or we're in the cold or across the rest of the country. What a scene it is, and it's so exciting to watch, I think. And then the variety we see on the leaderboards. We see Sergio Garcia get up there, a guy who won here in 2002. You see Robert Streb. Of course, we had him earlier on the pod and talked about getting off to a good start. And there he was, off to a great start there, 600 in his first round. And then you also look at other players. I mean, Justin Thomas, who won it last year, right up there in the mix, Harris English. So it's really cool to see how these guys are playing. This week, I got my guest favorite people in the world. We got Paul Tessori. Of course, he's a caddy for Webb Simpson. He's in his 21st year caddying. He's got 25 wins that he's been a part of as a looper. Unbelievable stuff. But listen, as you hear this interview, understand I want you to get to know the man that is Paul Tessori. He's a father. He's a husband first and foremost. He's just a really selfless guy with a great attitude. That's the biggest thing. You just hear this attitude emanate from him. It's just so positive. It's so encouraging and I think that's something that you're, you're going to hear in this interview and that's something that I am always struck by every time I see him. So here's Paul Tesori, some great stories with Webb Simpson about majors, about the Players' Championship, uh, Tiger Woods, we'll get into that as well. Before we get to that, Encore Golf, my sponsor. Listen, I'm playing their Vero X1 golf balls and for these winter conditions, it's unbelievable. Into the wind, that's the big thing. The Vero X1 golf ball, into the wind, there's not a ton of spin on it, so you can keep it in play, and that's huge for my scorecard. Yes, the scorecard, for sure, it's huge to keep things right in front of me. And the other thing is distance. Once I actually lined up properly with my driver, I'm hitting it even further. I, I thought I had gained 12 yards. I, I think I'm more like 15, 16 yards with this Vero X1 golf ball. Encore Golf, check them out, at Encore Golf on Instagram and Twitter. They're all over the, the map. Uh, all kinds of great stuff with them. The Elixir Golf Ball. Some very good stuff. So check out EncoreGolf.com. Let's get to it with Paul Tesori here. Really one of the engaging interviews in, in golf. And so much to talk about, especially at Kapalua this week. Uh, he, he explains what it's like to caddy there on Beyond the Clubhouse. We've got one of my favorite people in all of golf coming on next. We've got Paul Tesori. He's in his 21st season as a caddy on tour. He was a player before that. Paul, what's going on today? How are you, man? Garrett, everything's doing pretty well. Thanks for that intro. Uh, awfully kind of you. Uh, yeah, we're doing all right here in Maui. Uh, I got the beautiful ocean behind me, even though I closed it off so we could see this. I don't know why. We'd probably rather see the ocean than my face, but... Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a great place to start the year. Anytime you're here, you know that it's a special one. Yeah, well, this course, I mean, it was, people love the paradise, Kapalua. The views are amazing. What is it like caddying at Kapalua? Woo! I tell you, after a little bit of time off, she's a beast. Uh, it's our <laughs> hardest walk of the year for sure. Thank goodness we have uh, actual car rides on three of the uh, – from tee to green and green to tee 
on three different occasions that make it a little bit easier on the legs. But as far as physically demanding, it's as tough as it gets. But, you know, the golf, it's typically a fun golf course. Uh, you've got five par fives, which is very rare. Par 73, which we never see on tour. Um, even 72s are getting more and more rare. So to have a par 73 is awfully nice. Uh, it's, a, it's a golf course that the wind dictates everything. We're going to have a lot of wind on Thursday here. It'll play tough. And then uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we're going to have kind of low winds here, only around 10 miles an hour, which will be nice. It'll feel like you're in a dome compared to what you're used to. So a great way to start the year, some pretty nice wide fairways, uh, very challenging greens to putt on, but uh, a good way to start the year. Yes, and of course, you're, you're on the bag now for Webb Simpson. Been on that bag since 2011, won a major. You won the players, one of the great moments, I think, player-caddy relationship, that uh, player championship. With you and Webb right now, what's been going on? How have you guys dealt with, with him having COVID, and, and how have you processed that? Yeah, you know, it's, it was strange. We had a different game plan. We were going to meet out in Palm Springs a few days before being here in Maui, uh, work on the golf swing a little bit, just kind of get together, make sure the game was nice and tight before we got here. Um, Ten days ago now, Weber got COVID. Um, he's doing well. He lost all taste and smell, which – his family has actually had a good time with him on. Uh, he typically uh, loves coffee more than anything, and he can't smell his coffee. Uh, he hates mustard, and his sisters made him have a teaspoon of uh, mustard. He can't taste anything. So we've had fun with that. He, he had some aches and pains um, and a low energy. That's slowly getting back. The pains have gone. The energy is probably about 80% now coming back. He's flying in uh, Wednesday uh, early evening, so he'll play it without a practice round. Uh, you know, obviously not the typical thing that you would want, especially on greens like this to get used to, but the ulterior option of not being able to play uh, would have been worse. So we've added Sony for next week because this week went from being a, a Saturday to Sunday affair to a Wednesday to Sunday affair. So five less days of practice um, that we had store. So, you know, he, we added Sony and that's been a good one. We lost by one there last year. So there's a little bit of blessing. Everybody's safe in the family and, uh, we're just uh, – it's been an easier week for me. I was able to be home for my son's seventh birthday, and I flew out uh, on Monday. I got a lot of good work done yesterday, followed some players around the golf course, and uh, I'll watch a little bit more golf today, and uh, tomorrow we'll tee it up. Yeah, you mentioned your son, Isaiah. What a great kid he is. And, um, and your involvement, too, with the Tesori Family Foundation. Tell us a little bit. You're very active in your community. I want to get an idea for our listeners what you've been doing. Yeah, for sure. The foundation has definitely turned into being something that's near and dear to me and my wife's heart. It uh, started in 2010. It was something I always wanted to do. And my excuse was always, well, if I can't do it the way I want to do it, I'm not going to do it at all. And she's like, that's not the way it works. You change one person's life, then you change two, then you change four, and that's the way it works. And she's a lot smarter and prettier and all that other good stuff than I am. So I listened to her. But it wasn't until 2014 when my son Isaiah was born with Down syndrome that we really had kind of a, a spearheaded direction that we wanted to go with the foundation that was to mostly focus on kids with special needs, um, but also the special needs community. Uh, we have always done a lot locally with food banks and, and homeless shelters and that that's always going to be a part of what we do, but mostly it's, it's looking after these kids. Uh, my favorite event that we do, we do 20 now throughout the PGA tour schedule called the all-star kids clinic, 25 kids with special needs, one-on-one -on -one instruction with PGA tour players, coaches, and the local first tee um, and caddies as well. 
And it's been a big hit introducing these kids to the game of golf. It's been so good to me. And any bit that I can do to give back has been fun. So we really, really adore the foundation and love what we've been able to do. Anybody at home, if you're listening to SorryFamilyFoundation.org, go check us out. And uh, if you can help in any way, we'll definitely take it. Yes, yes. On Twitter as well, you guys are very active. I think it's at Tesori Family FTD, I believe, or F. I think that sounds right. Yeah, Tesori <laughs> Family. I kind of type it in and now it comes up, but that sounds right. <laughs> That's great stuff. You know what? You said something awesome of your relationship with Webb Simpson, but you said something about him, uh, jokes being played on him with mustard, taste, the coffee, you know how much he loves coffee. Brendan Little told me he plays jokes on, on Gary Woodland, his caddy, where he unzips the zippers in the bag just to get on his nerves because he knows Gary loves everything zipped up, buttoned up. What kinds of things do you do for Weber uh, just to kind of like uh, Josh him? Man, alive. I don't think <laughs> I do anything. He pays me so well that I'm pretty much pretty kind to him as far as that stuff goes. I definitely wouldn't play a practical joke about coffee. Um, if anything, he's the one that likes things even more neat than I do. So I don't really know how that would work. He wouldn't unzip the bag. If anything, he's going through and re-zipping them. Um, so I really don't have a lot. I, I can't say that's a part of our relationship that we do a whole bunch of ours pretty much surrounds around sitting around the TV, trying to find a good series to watch. We stay together a lot of the weeks on the road, especially during COVID. Um, and, uh, he's now gotten me into coffee. I'm about six months into the process of enjoying coffee. So I, I spent the first 48 years without drinking coffee and I'm just now starting to understand what to do, even though. Every now and then he kind of thinks he overdid it with me. I tend to have a little too much energy already, and it gets a little bit exasperated in the morning if I've had too much. Well, to your credit, I mean, I can't believe you lived in America that long. But to your credit, you've saved, I want to say, maybe 20000 bucks from Starbucks and all these other places. So, good. I mean, what, you've got to do something with that money. There you go. Absolutely. <laughs> I like the way you looked at that. That makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. You talk about web. And, and different series things. So what, what comes to mind? Like what kind of Amazon Prime or, or Netflix do you like to watch? Yeah, so we love any kind of special op show. Um, you know, it's uh, we, Jack Ryan was his favorite that he's watched. Uh, just loved it with uh, – was it John Krasinski? Is that the actor there? Yeah. But yeah, just a, a great two seasons of that that he fell in love with. Defending Jacob, which was on recently on Apple Plus was a big uh, was a big hit with us and some other documentaries that we've enjoyed watching as well um, you know Webb faith is obviously very important to him and so I, uh, I there's been a couple of shows I've really liked but there's been some scenes that you kind of have to turn away a little bit from but he won't go down that route I'm proud of him for that but um, I know homeland he would just love but there's obviously some pretty graphic uh, scenes in there that wouldn't be up his alley. So um, I'm, I'm trying to find a way that I can go through and screen those off and say, all right, go take a break <laughs> real quick, and I'll tell you when to come back. But uh, I don't know if that's going to happen anytime. So we're about to start, start Tehran this week, which is another Apple um, show and special op. So we're going to start that this week here in Maui. Love it. Well, here, here's the thing. When I think about you guys off the course, you've mentioned many times that you guys are better friends off the course than you are on. And look how successful you've been. <laughs> with him winning yeah. players championship winning majors so what how would you paint that picture for the golf audience about you guys yeah, the course? You know, I think it's really interesting there's a couple of schools of thought when it comes to caddying um, a lot of old school guys thought that you shouldn't become close to your player <clears throat> that maybe it would affect the decisions that you made what you wanted to say how you said it or whatever but uh, Webb's the fourth guy that I've worked for full-time 
everybody's been a little different. Started with VJ, Jerry Kelly, Sean O'Hare, and now Weber. And everybody's different. But, you know, Webb and I, faith is very, very similar. Our personalities are very similar, kind of high energy. Um, our likes and dislikes, very similar. Um, the fact that if we've been on the road about a week, we start going dark because we miss our family so much. That part is very similar. So there's just a lot alike that we enjoy. Our foods, we could eat sushi five days a week, um, and we'd be perfectly okay with that. I think the only difference that we've really ever had, besides coffee, and that's a massive one, has been that typically he can't hang out in a hotel room or a condo or wherever we're staying. He has to be out and about. And it used to be he'd go to Starbucks for an hour and a half or two and, and read, catch up on emails, drink a couple of coffees, and have fun. And that's not me. I like to go back to the room, take a shower. I got to stretch now at my age. So stretch and watch TV, catch up on the day. Well, during COVID, um, you know, part of obviously our rules and regulations now on tour is that we're not supposed to be out in public, at least not in an enclosed situation. So he's had to spend a lot more time uh, indoors. And he now brings his pour-over kit with him each and every week. So he's got this whole pour-over kit that he'll have. He'll heat it to 200 and I think he's 208 degrees. He'll do pour-overs. He grinds his own beans. That's the way you keep the, the, the freshness up and the acidity down. And so he's kind of learned to love the inside a little bit more than he did before. Uh, I got to keep him busy, like I said, with finding some good shows to stream and to watch, and that's about it. Man, what well, think about, like, you guys also get out and you play golf together, and you beat your guy, Webb Simpson, at Augusta from the tips. How did that happen? Yeah. Tell us the story. Well, <laughs> Yeah, it's a fun story. Webb has kind of brought it to light more than I have because it's it's not as big of a deal as it was to me probably at the time. You know, playing Augusta for me, it felt like a major championship. You know, on Sunday, I was so nervous and excited. Um, it was the first, I think it was 2016. It was for my birthday. He brought me there. We, we played 18, played the par three, spent the night, went to dinner, woke up the next morning, played 18 more, and then went home. You know, what a great two days uh, at Augusta. And the second day, it was cold. It was about 47 degrees and blowing. And um, I turned and four over, but I got it going a little bit on the back. I had birdied, I said birdied 13, 14, 15. And going into 18, I had him by one. Um, I was two over for the day. He was three over for the day. He was playing tough. I said, hey, I just want to let you know, I am one up going his last hole. He goes, are you really? And this is just Webb. He was excited for me. But I also know there was that little part of me because he, it was playing long. I hit driver four iron about 20 feet. He hit driver five iron to about two feet. Um, and so I had this 20-footer to make birdie, to birdie four of the last six and to beat him by one, and I poured it in. And he got more excited than even I got. Uh, he was so uh, proud of me. So I did. I nicked him by one, um, and it was fun at the time. I still have the scorecard. But, again, that round was a joyful walk in the park. He didn't have a whole lot of adrenaline going where me – it was, uh, it, like I said, it was like my Sunday at the Masters. So I don't think it uh, really counted as an official win, but I did beat him for the day. Had you ever played Augusta before that, like the year before? No, that was my first time. Paul, I cannot believe it. The day that I met you was at Augusta. Uh, it was at 2016 Masters, and I didn't ask you who won. I think you told me, oh, yeah, Webb invited me out here. And to show yeah. your – it shows a lot about you that you didn't brag about yourself. I didn't – yeah, well, a couple of reasons. There's kind of a rule, never beat your boss. That's kind of one of the rules that, you you know, because you don't want to take confidence away. But at the same time, I knew 
Now, if him and I, for some reason, had a little, I don't know, $100 bet, and we're like, all right, let's go really play today, I probably would have been more excited to tell. But I knew for Webb that the round really didn't mean much for him as far as playing for a score, where for me, you know, I was trying to play for a score uh, as much as possible. So it's a fun story. He's been kind. He brought it back up to light this year. I haven't talked about it very much. I don't really want to. Um, but now that he's brought it up, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit. It was a nice finish and a good memory. Definitely was a nice a nice memory. Hey, so I got to ask you then about, you said when you're traveling and you're away from your family, it's very hard on you and Webb. How do you lead your family in your experience, 21 years Ooh. as a caddy? How does a man lead his family when he has to be gone for FedEx Cup playoffs or major championships? It's tough. It really is. And it's an area I, I struggle in, to be quite honest. I um, you know, leaving the family before kids being on the road, wasn't that difficult. Your wife could fly out on occasion. Um, she knew what you were doing, but with kids, they don't really care why you're gone. They just want you home. And it's a hard balance to truly understand. It's a teaching moment. We don't let them know, Hey, you have to work. Uh, this is what we do. We provide. Um, and you know, with the foundation, we've been able to give back, uh, over one and a half million dollars in the last 10 years. And the biggest reason has been because of what I do for a living. And then the people that kind of come in with what I do. It's why we, it's a family foundation. We have about 400 family members that help that foundation work for people that give back. And so being a leader when I'm gone, the only things I try to do is to make sure it's not about me. If I've had a bad day on the golf course to not be grumpy, not be short, um, to be invested in what they did that day, uh, how Isaiah did that day, how Alexis did that day, you know, how rough Michelle's day is when I'm gone. There's times when I'm gone that I forget how hard, she has it basically as a single mom at home. And so the only way I really know to lead when I'm out here is don't make it about Paul Tesori, which it's hard because out here so much is about Webb and Paul and what we're trying to do um, and what we're trying to accomplish. It's more than just about each week. It's about Ryder Cups. It's about Hall of Fame. It's about wins. It's about the things that you're trying to accomplish, tour championships and these things. So uh, it's very easy to make it much about me. And so I think the only way I try to – to lead is to serve my family by kind of diminishing what I do and what I'm feeling and making more about them. Yes. Well, speaking of them, I tweeted, uh, any questions for Paul Tesori? I'm going to have him on the pod. Uh, this is a few hours ago. And your wife responded with some awesome no. question. What's the, <laughs> what's the trick you use to stop hiccups at bedtime, Paul? <laughs> Honey, that's pretty good. Um, I'm sure she's already figured that out being five hours, uh, um, ahead of me right now but yeah you just gotta you gotta hold your breath and then if you feel one coming take an even deeper breath in that's my little trick it usually takes place in about 45 seconds and they're gone <laughs> okay. let's get to some other practical ones where are isaiah's isaiah's new sneakers and where do you put the whoop charger yeah here we go see she's starting on me already so <laughs> me and her we have i'm very organized in the house i like sneakers to go in the person's bedroom on a shelf uh, Michelle and Isaiah and Alexis, they believe they kind of, they organize them, but there's an organization at the front door. There's an organization in the workout room. And then, so honey, it's in one of those four or five spots that you got back there. And then the whoop charger is never to be found ever again. Oh my gosh. Ever. It just, it's, just, it's gone. They disappear. It's just, boy, it, it's like socks in a dryer. We don't know the sock monster eats them. I don't know what happens to them, but singles come out all the time. And so it's what I believe about the whoop charger. Her, her last question was, uh, this is for Courtney Shank and uh, Noelle Marks. 
what's the gas station story again? Is that the whole oh, story? Gosh, this is... <laughs> so I just went to Disney with, it was myself, uh, my son, we were the two boys. And then it was my wife, Michelle, Courtney Shank, um, Noel Marks, and Carrie Dubray, one of Michelle's best friends. So we all go. And somebody had said, wow, I already have to go to the bathroom. And I said, well, you think that's bad. I couldn't make it 50 minutes to Palaka Golf Club where I go play a little money game when I'm home, uh, when I was home. And so that was my story. I, I couldn't even make it that far without having to stop to pee. And about 15 seconds past, and they go, is that the whole story? Is that really the story you just told us, some gas station pee story? There has to be more to it than that. So I was pretty much the brunt of every joke for two straight days at Disney. So I just had to grin and bear it and smile and just keep walking. Well, you mentioned Disney. That makes me think of family all the time. And for you, what is the best part about being a dad that you've noticed wow. over the years? Yeah, that's a loaded question. Um, there's so many fantastic – I think the first thing is, is what it teaches you. Uh, before I had kids, I, I don't think anything could have really stripped away my selfish behavior, my selfish desires, and kids will do that immediately. Um, sleep is gone pretty much for the rest of your life. Uh, date nights become extremely hard to come by. Golf goes from three days a week to one day, one day a week, if you're lucky when you're home, if you can get the one day in. Um, you realize how quickly, how much you forgot from high school and from middle school about simple things uh when it comes to dividing fractions and stuff you have to go back and refresh your mind again about how to do that without a calculator or without doing it in your head um well you're you know, a caddy a man, you're a caddy math should come naturally yeah buddy. it does but that does but if you make me write it down it's much different i can do it all in my head but when you actually have to show them the formula i don't do a very good job i'm quick with math in my head but not very good when you have to write it down um so those are all things that you have to kind of relearn and reteach yourself and then having a son like Isaiah with special needs, it's been unlike anything I could have ever experienced how much the kid has taught me. Um, it's hard, you know, a lot of therapy weekly when we're home, a lot of struggles with the school system that is not built to help Isaiah succeed. Um, our country uh, is not built to help someone like Isaiah succeed. And so we have to fight for him, uh, fight to change the way the world looks at Isaiah and what he does. And the kid has taught me so much. Uh, fatherhood, uh, with a daughter who is now 15 and now my son who is seven. Um, it's just, it's been the greatest blessing I could experience. And having uh, my wife, Michelle, walk through it with me daily as we have tears often, a lot of anger that comes out uh, often as well. And just to walk through it together and be able to, um, you know, run ideas and every now and then just scream into a pillow or cry into a pillow at the same time with everything that you're trying to accomplish. It's a, it's a blessing for sure. Yes. Well, so much that you've done as a father and as a husband. I'll get you back to the course here for a minute. 25 PGA Tour wins you've been on the bag for when you've mentioned your four players there. Which one stands out as the most satisfying? For sure, 2018, the players. Um, you know, uh, we had won the U.S. Open in 2012. Um, a lot of big wins with Veej and, and Jerry and Sean O'Hare, but – that at first was a big one, but at the U.S. Open, you know, we kind of flew under the radar. I think we had given one interview going into Sunday, um, and obviously he played a great weekend, was four back to start Sunday, ends up winning the U.S. Open. But that was kind of like more out of the middle of nowhere. But 2018, first of all, I grew up in St. Augustine, which is St. John's County, which is what the players is located in. 
Um, before there was even grass laid, sod laid at TPC, I had gone around the golf course, hit shots on 17 while there was still dirt on the ground before it had been sodded back in 81. And so, you know, for me, that place has always been home. My grandfather taught me how to play the game there and my dad, and I still have family there. I had a lot of chances to win the players. Uh, the better than most year when Tiger made the putt on 17, he beat VJ and I by one. Um, then in the last group with Jerry Kelly, um, O'Hare. Um, and, you know, for me, uh, all of that winning the players was kind of my – it was my second biggest priority. I would love to win the Masters, and then TPC would be my second favorite win. But also with Weber, it had been four and a half years since we won, had been through almost a three-year stretch battling the yips, putting – um, after the USGA made, you know, the ban back in 2016. So there was so many issues going on that we were trying to come back from. And I began to wonder if we would ever win again. And going into the week, I had told some friends that he was playing better than I had ever seen him play and that I thought he was going to have a great chance to win. And then to go out and to do what he did, he shot 63 on Friday afternoon. The course was brick hard and the greens were running so fast. And made, uh, I think, 11 birdies and a double bogey on 17 to shoot nine under uh, and to take a five-shot lead. And then that lead grew to seven after Saturday. And just, uh, I don't know, the pleasure about it, having my family there in the awards ceremony, which, you know, the commissioner, uh, Monahan made sure that they had a front row seat with us. And just so many memories that I'll have from that week for as long as I live. And the foundation, our uh, All-Star Kids Clinic that week was a huge success. Jordan Spieth came over and did the clinic with me. And I don't know. It was a special, special week, one that I'll never forget. Um, and to kind of be like, welcome back, Webb, to be honest with you, uh, to come back from the doldrums that we had fallen into and to prove to ourselves again that we could do it. Um, it was so rewarding. You mentioned those doldrums. How tough did it get? And for you and Webb one-on-one -on -one to talk through those things? It was brutal, um, to be honest with you. You know, there was nothing – we had, uh, when I started working for Weber in 2011, he was 213th in the world. And, you know, very quickly, we started having a lot of success. We made the uh, President's Cup team in 11, Ryder Cup team in 12, President's Cup team in 13, Ryder Cup team again in 14. And it didn't look like there was going to be any stopping the train. Uh, tour championship every year. We were winning every year. Um, and then, obviously, the band came. Uh, and very quickly, we figured out that this was going to be a lot harder than we had hoped. Um, we had a couple of moments that were really, really tough. Uh, I remember the worst was in Bethpage Black 2016 at Bethpage Black in the playoffs. Um, we had nine three-putts through two days, somehow made the cut on the number with nine three-putts, which is just a testament, again, to his strength. But we got in a huge argument on the golf course. I was in the wrong completely. He was complaining about our course management. And, of course, I'm sitting here looking at nine three-putts and we're going to make the cut. The course management couldn't have been that bad. I lost my cool on the golf course, and I thought that was the end of our relationship for sure. When we got done, it looked like we had missed the cut by one, and he said, hey, we need to go talk. And so I called my wife, and I said, hey, listen, pray for softness right now because I felt no softness. I was hardened in my heart. I knew he was too. We had just been through – at the time, it had already been almost two full years of the struggle. And we got in the car, and Weber, you know, I, he was just so kind and so soft, and he was emotional, and he goes – listen, you're the greatest caddy on the planet. I can't believe he started the conversation like that. And he goes, I just, I'm so frustrated and I don't know if I'm ever going to figure this out. And, you know, I just, I don't want to hold you back and all this. And then I started crying because I'm like, are you kidding me? This is how you're going to start this conversation. I deserve to be fired. I deserve to He sat in the car and go, Hey, 
I know things are hard, but you can't do what you just did on the golf course. That's what deserved to happen. And he didn't. He showed humility. He showed softness. He showed class. And that conversation was set in the car for almost an hour and a half. And it really laid the foundation for what was about to happen. I just told him that my frustration was from that we weren't trying enough things. Um, he needed to make some phone calls to guys that had beaten the yips, uh, Bernhard Langer, Tom Lehman, call these men. You know, let's hire a, a putting coach. Let's hire a psychological coach. Let's talk to guys that have beaten this thing. And I, I felt like at the time that Webb was just kind of hopeful that it would just change, where I believe when you're in those kind of places that you have to attack the problem, find out what a solution is, and then go from there. Um, and he did it all. Everything I had written down, he did. Bernhard Langer, Bernhard Langer was just a tremendous asset to Weber. Uh, had told him about the struggles he had been through, that he won the Masters twice after going through the full yips and had still won the Masters twice after that to kind of give Webb hope in what he was going through. And 2017 players was the first breakthrough. Tim Clark, who was a great player, um, he had the same agent as Webb has. We're on the putting green. He says, hey, can I go say something to Webb? We're like, yes. And he just gave him that right-hand claw grip, the saw grip that Webb uses. And that was it. Um, you know, the Webb anchors the putter on the left-hand side, kind of like a la Couture. It didn't really help at all, to be honest with you. Uh, we were 192nd toward putting with that method. But it wasn't until he put the right-hand grip on that immediately things started to change. And then a year later, we won the players. So um, we made it through. And uh, obviously, things are a little bit easier now. Yes. Well, you know what? I love what you said there because there's there's wisdom and friendship from Bernhard Langer, from Tim Clark, from so many people there. For you, Paul, the friendships of golf, I believe, are so strong, right? The lasting relationships we make. Who really stands out for you um, as being a couple of really good friends? Yeah, so I've got quite a few caddies um, that I'm very close to on the tour. Uh, I think uh, they're the guys that you can talk about how hard life is. So, you know, what comes to mind would be, would be Teddy Scott, um, Michael Greller, these guys that we can sit down and have conversations about how hard it is to be away from the family, how when you're having one of those dark days and you don't want to go to work tomorrow, you just want to fly home um, to talk to these men because they know what you're going through. Um, and to be honest with you, my best friend on tour is my boss. And I think that makes it even that much better to be able to talk to Webb about it because I know he goes through the same things. Him and I go through it opposite. He struggles at the beginning of the week, and towards the end of the week, it gets easier for him, where I'm fine at the beginning of the week because there's a lot of work to do, preparation, all of that. And then as the week kind of progresses, I go a little bit darker. So we kind of help each other during those little two moments. But to have those friendships out here uh, have been invaluable. And, you know, there's a lot of guys that maybe I'm not as close to, but I still love the relationships on tour. I've gotten a lot closer to a lot of the uh, a lot of the caddies, and I really appreciate that. The older you get, you just realize how special these times are. And um, I'm almost 49. I'll be 49 next month, and so I know that you know I might only be out here another dozen years if I'm lucky uh, with my body. <laughs> and if so, I want to make sure I took every opportunity to get to know the guys and you know to help a lot of the younger guys out too. Yes. Well, you know, you talk about being gone from the family. I know Scott Van Pelt was gone for 10 days for the BGA Championship when he worked that for ESPN. And he said he missed his family profoundly. Like he couldn't believe how much he missed them. And so it's a real thing for fathers being out on tour, you know, for an extended yeah. amount of time. And, and, and yeah, and, and Scott, I did 49 days last year. So uh, I, I would, uh, I would, if we multiply that by five, you can see how hard it is. And 
one of the problems we have on the PGA Tour is our wives, the caddy wives, they, they really don't have many rights. Um, during COVID, they haven't been allowed back on the golf course yet. Um, there's no, there's no uh, daycare opportunities for our wives on the road. And so for our wives to come out, it's very, very difficult. And, um, you know, we've been in talks with the tour about, you know, obviously we would pay, but about trying to get that. Because if I could travel with my family, things would change for the better in so many ways. So we're working on that. And obviously with somebody at the helm that we adore so much being uh, Jay Monahan, maybe one day we will get that done. Yes. Well, we, we look at, I, I just think about your close calls you've been a part of. If, if a golf historian were to talk to you right now about the close calls in history you've been a part of, I'm talking about caddying for O'Hare, back-to-back final groups it was, I believe, at Bay Hill, and the roars that Tiger brought out of those crowds. What was that like? Well, so, yeah, I, I, there's been a lot of uh, those close calls I've been on the bad end of, and about 80% of them have been because of that, that guy, Tiger Woods. Uh, he has done it <laughs> into me a lot. We, from back when I worked for VJ, when he finished Eagle Eagle, uh, the Grand Slam of golf in Kauai, uh, and then beat us in a playoff. You know, people don't realize the things that he did. We had a a five-shot lead uh, that looked like it was going to be a seven-shot – no, six-shot lead at Sherwood one year with 10 to play and lost there by two. He shot 29 on the back, uh, seven under on us there. Um, the the amount of times that he has nicked us coming down the stretch of Boston um, the year, I think he shot 63 on Sunday to beat us by two. And then, like you said, O'Hare, back-to-back years, uh, we got paired with Tiger um, in the last group. And he made the big putt to beat one of the Bryant brothers the one year. And then in 2009, he made the putt to beat me and Shano in the dark on 18. Uh you know, it's just they – I can go down the list of all the times uh, that he has done things like that to me for us. I've also been on a couple of the good sides on some of these team events I've been on uh, to watch it. But the close calls you never really forget. We lost to our dear friend Bubba Watson in 2011 at New Orleans where we had a four-inch putt on the 15th hole. The ball moved. Um, it was deemed back then with a horrific rule that we caused it to move. Um, end up losing in the playoff there. Um, lost in the playoff that same year to our good friend Ben Crane. Um, I think we've lost five playoffs now, and we have seven wins. You could see how those kind of, at the end of a career, they start to add up when you really want to have a Hall of Fame career. Uh, they start to sting a little bit more. Quail Hollow, which is where, you know, Webb lives. We lost by one there to Ricky. I think it was a three-man playoff there. Uh, so there's been so many close ones that um, they really sting, to be honest with you. You don't forget them. Uh, but it also makes you appreciate the wins even more. Uh, at Phoenix in 2020, we were able to kind of flip the script on Tony, who, you know, Tony has been through what Webb and I went through a lot of those times, where Tony's played well enough to win a lot of events. He gets a hard time for not having won more, but he's actually done his job. But, again, at Phoenix, Webb birdies 17 and 18, and then birdies 18 again in the playoff. Um, so what Tyler Duncan did to us at Sea Island, birdies 17 and 18, then birdies 18 again in the playoff. And you start to wonder – you know, at some point, you know, is, is, is there a, a target on my back? These things keep happening, but you got to keep putting yourself in contention and, um, and eventually good things will happen. And we were able to do that again at Hilton Head last year. And uh, when he never gets old, they're all special in their own right. Um, and uh, it's, it's why we're out here grinding. Yes. Well, I love that you mentioned the international team events because that is such a big part of, of your career in terms of just the, the friendship, the camaraderie of those events. I love the Tiger Who story. And, and just for the audience here who may not have heard it, what, what was that like? 
Yeah, so we're going to go way back. My third event caddy in 2000, President's Cup. Um, we get paired against Tiger all four matches. Uh, his partner that week was Noda Begay. And Noda at the time was one of the best players in the world. He had won four times in about a 15-month stretch. Um, and Tiger wasn't playing well. And they beat us three of the first four matches. Um, we paired with Ernie three of the matches and with Retief one of the matches. Um, and Tiger wasn't playing well. Noda was playing incredible golf. Well, singles come out. And, of course, we get paired with Tiger again. And that was the year Tiger won three of the four majors. BJ won the other one. And so these ball guys had these hats made up that said Tiger Hill on the back, stitched in. They were beautiful. I asked them why they did it. They said, well, 23 of the 24 guys signed their flag. Tiger didn't sign it. Uh, he did end up signing it, I think, after everything, which is nice. But um, they had these hats made up. I thought it was hilarious. The U.S. team was blowing out the international team. I think they only needed two points to win. And so I thought it was funny. I put it on. BJ laughed. laughed. So we go out and we play this match. And we get to the fourth hole. BJ's one up through three. And Tiger had hit it in the water. He had chipped about 18 feet for bogey. VJ had about 10 feet for birdie. VJ just said, bro, that's good, thinking that Tiger was going to say, yours is good, too. Let's go. Tiger didn't say anything. So VJ putted it down to about, I say a millimeter. It was hanging. Half the ball's over the edge. Of course, it's good. We, we don't see anything. We turn around, and Tiger's got his arms crossed and a scowl <laughs> on his face. So Tiger says, I think he saw – or VJ said, I think he saw your hat and he doesn't like it. So VJ taps in from there that far. And the next hole – I'll always remember the next hole. It's par five. And Tiger, I think he turned about an extra 15 degrees on the way back. He had about a 305-yard, one-yard draw down the middle. Played the next 13 holes, seven under, and beat us two and one. Um, and when we got done, I was just inundated by all these reporters. I, I didn't realize what I had done in the moment. Um, I realized, and I thought all the other caddies were wearing it too. Like, well, everybody else chickened out. Well, the one guy that's paired with him doesn't. Uh, and so it turned into being a very, very big deal. And things were awkward with him and BJ for a while. I went up to Tiger and apologized to him. Uh, that was over in Valderrama, Spain. We played the WGC that year. And we had been paired with him four or five straight weeks. And it was just awkward. And I went up to him and I said, hey, Tiger, I – Man, things are awkward. I didn't mean disrespect at all. I thought it was a joke. You guys were about to win, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and he goes, thanks for saying that. I appreciate it. Um, it did make me want to kick y'all's bleep, though. Um, and, and, and so I laughed about the time, but there was still, like, this coldness for a long time. And so 2011, he's walking by Weber and I on the putting green. I said, Weber, watch this. I'm going to get him. Tiger loves Call of Duty, but he never knows what to use as his call sign, so people want to know who he is. I said, hey, what's up, Tiger Who? He goes, what's up, two and one? And he just kept walking. Now, we had not talked about it for 11 years. And he did not miss a beat when I called him two and one. He said, what's up, two and one? He walked about 15 more feet and turned around with that big grin of his and laughed it off. So now each team event, he makes me retell the story. He really likes the arms crossed and the scout. I think he likes the seven under through 13, two and one a little bit too. So the President's Cup in 2019, a lot of people saw they played a practical joke on me, Tiger and all the caddies. They wrote Paul Who <laughs> on the back of their hats, and on Tiger's hat he wrote two and one uh, on his. So I still got a great photo of that. And it's nice that we've been able to make a joke of it uh, all these years later on. In the moment, it didn't seem as funny, but it is now. Gosh, one of the longest memories you could ask for. And the, the President's Cup was decided, and you and BJ were still out there. And, and Tiger said something like, we ain't done yet, boys. <laughs> Got to finish that. Oh, yeah. Yep, that was on. I think it was like the 14th hole. Again, they only needed two points to win. 
And Tiger, you know, VJ congratulated Tiger. He goes, okay, but we're not done yet. Let's play this out. You know, you, you have to in those. You have to finish your match out. But it was kind of like, let's get this done. And, again, it was just a, it was a good lesson for me to learn um, in the moment. First of all, uh, I should have known, but I just didn't. I, I, I kind of didn't realize how big of a deal it would be. Um, now I'm glad I did it. It's made for a great story and a lot of laughs over these years. Um, I remember 2018, the Ryder Cup, uh, Jim Furyk had never heard the story. He's the captain of the Ryder Cup. And he kind of whipped around. He goes, yeah, why'd you wear that stupid crap anyway? Like, he was still mad about it. It had been 18 years, and – I would, I mean, Jim's kind of, a, I mean, Jim's basically a friend and I'm like, okay, settle down. And then of course, Tiger moves back a seat and he wanted his girlfriend to hear it too. Cause he loves the story so much. So it's been fun to retell it now. And it was nice to retell it and play under him as obviously being the captain of the president's cup team over in Australia. That was a special moment for all of us. Big time. Well, there's a special moment coming up for one of your fellow former caddies. John Wood is going to be calling the shots here in Hawaii. What is this going to be like? Well, I mean, first of all, he's made for it. You know, John and uh, Bones did kind of like that little uh, test run about four years ago at Sea Island where they both uh, did the commentary. And John's going to be just as good as Bones. They have very, very similar personalities. They are like this. They're very close in their personal relationships. Uh, the depth of knowledge that these men have and the things that they have seen, the things they have known, I think it's more than any player could understand. So if you take a player and you put them in the same situation, these guys, they know more. They've seen more. They've witnessed more. Um, because we kind of get a little bit more of the factual circumstances because some of our, um, you know, uh, emotions are taken out of the situations where we're able to see. John is going to kill it. He's going to be incredible. There's going to be more and more guys years and years to come that are going to go from caddying into on-course commentary just because – Pretty much caddy and his own course commentary anyway. Um, and he's going to kill it, and it's going to be great for the sports world, the golf world, to be able to hear him commentating. That's great stuff. Paul Tesori, you can follow him on Twitter, at Paul Tesori. Good stuff, buddy. Always great to catch up, uh, and, and just awesome to hear your positivity out there. Yeah, I love it. I love what I do. Um, I wish my body would uh, stay a little bit stronger as I'm going through it. Uh, we're working on that as we speak, so – um, if I can do it another dozen years, that would be great. And uh, getting to talk uh, to guys like you about a game that I love, it's a pleasure. All right, my thanks to Paul Tesori. What an interview he is, huh? What a great guy. And I think hopefully you got a snapshot of what, of what he's like. And listen, his storytelling is off the charts. You're going to see that in videos this week on Instagram and Twitter. Check out Beyond the Clubhouse at Beyond the Clubhouse podcast on Instagram, as well as I'm on Instagram, at Garrett Johnson Golf. Check out Paul Tesori on Twitter, at Paul Tesori. I'm there as well, at Johnston Garrett, and at Beyond Clubhouse. Listen, his story about BJ Singh and the Tiger Who thing, you're going to see all those details. Uh, he uses his hands on the stories. It's unbelievable. So we'll get to that. Hope you enjoy the rest of this week with Century Tournament Champions. And, uh, yeah, let's, let, let's go from here. There's uh, so many great guests coming up. Look forward to visiting with you again on Beyond the Clubhouse.